Welcome to another episode of Storyteller Studio, where we're gathering our lives through genuine conversations and gladly sharing them with folks around the world. As radio announcers, Liz and Tim believe there's something very special about being behind a microphone and letting their hair down. Sometimes people just need a reason to enjoy each other, either again or for the very first time. And we found plenty of others who feel the same. From artists, sports figures, and manufacturers, to filmmakers, authors, and media types, we all may know bits and pieces about a person, but there's always something more. So while we grab our headphones and turn up the mics, it's your chance to eavesdrop on yet another episode of Storyteller's Studio. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Storyteller Studio. This is Tim Larson, and we are on the road. Yeah, I decided with my wife to go down to Lake of the Ozarks, and then as long as we're in the neighborhood, I said, hey, Rob Cutter, is it a possibility if you could coax your wife into coming a couple of hours east and meet us in Columbia, Missouri, we could have a little bit of a sit-down and it has turned into a share hasn't it, Rob? <laughs> yes, it has, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'll tell you, it's, um, it's been a fantastic thing for a lot of the people that I've sit down with for Storyteller Studio because we haven't seen each other, one, in a very long time. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Yeah, so you think it was like 2009, 2010, but yet we've been in contact and we share stuff and we've done things together, but we physically haven't seen each other. And of course, when you start bringing out the pictures and the bumper stickers and all that stuff, you've got stories that... Stories beyond the story. They do. They erupt out of you. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start how you got bit by the radio bug? And then we go well, from there. Yeah, well, you know, being the, uh, you know, being a kid up in uh, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, you know, we were able to have access to Chicago radio, uh, WLS, and uh, what was it, WCF? Yeah, WCFL. Yeah, WCFL. Yep. And then I remember my dad when I was a kid. It was always WBBM. Yeah. You know, listening to the news. But anyway, I, as a young kid, listening to all those great records, like from you know the '60s and '70s. You know, listening to uh, Larry Lujak and John sure. Records Landecker, Jeff Miller, yeah, um, Tommy Edwards and Animal Stories, along with Larry Lujak, old Uncle Larry. Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, that, that's I got the bug from when I was probably eighth or ninth grade. I thought, you know, that'd be kind of fun to do. So just listening to those guys in the bigger market. Yeah, and then uh, I used to listen to a radio station in Milwaukee too, uh, AM. It was ninety-two WOKY. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. Bob Berry used to do mornings on WOKY. Mm -hmm. And there's a guy that used to do the news, Chris Cooper. Okay. And when he would start the news, he'd always say, Milwaukee, while well, you were sleeping last night. Oh. And then he'd always have a segment called Burnt Toast and Coffee Time. <laughs> and I still remember that. Go, was, that his, was that his kicker story? Yeah, it was always his kicker story. And then... If you had to guess, are we talking like mid seventies, something mm, like probably that? Probably early seventies, late sixties. Really? Yeah. No kidding. Did you ever listen to WKTI up in Milwaukee? Do you yes. remember them? They were yeah. They were um at the time they were FM, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I remember listening to them. Because literally every radio station that you have mentioned, and I mean literally every one that you have mentioned, uh a WROK or WZOK alumni has either worked there or is working there now. Right. Yeah. And it's phenomenal that they are powerhouses 
uh, right now doing either news or WGN News Talk or whatever. Yep. Um, and, and we were looking up to these people going, how did they get to the top of that mountain? And that was that was the draw for you to get the bug, huh? Yeah. And listening to the, and then of course, you know, growing up in Fond du Lac, there was a little there was a guy that you guys are all gonna know, but I used to listen to him. He was he was just out of high school and he was working night times at a radio station called WFON in Fond du Lac. Mm-hmm. And that was John Bradmeyer. <sighs> and listen to him. And I just thought this guy is crazy to listen to. He is. And uh, and then they went, uh, the, and of course, then when he moved to the bigger markets, he changes from John Bradmeyer to Jonathan Bradmeyer. Right. And um, and I've, I've followed John, you know, Johnny B's career for, you know, because, you know, he's a Fond du Lac native. I'm a Fond du Lac native. And I, I never always... knew that he was from that area. The first time that I ran into Jonathan Bradmeyer was at WYBR. Do you remember that radio station at the Cherryvale he, Mall? He worked there. He did. Yeah. It was like, hey, how you doing? You know, in and out. Because I was there meeting with another friend of mine who I still keep in contact with. And then all of a sudden, he's at KZZP in Phoenix. And my brother-in-law's going, oh, my God, this guy came in in town, and he's blowing the market up. And I go, what is he? And who's he working for? And so on and so forth. And he's telling us, that name sounds familiar. Yeah. And then he came back to Chicago at WGN, and it just went crazy from there. And uh, Clint Wooten, a friend of mine who's down in Nashville, uh, just sent me a link about three days ago. He goes, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but Jonathan Bramire was off the platform for like two years. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just disappeared. He had massive throat surgery. I did not know that. He did. There was something that they had to do with his vocal cords. And of course, now he's back. And he linked up with his producers and the people that he did the show with before, and he sounds great. So, well, you know where he, you know where he's doing a show from? No, Minocqua, Wisconsin. Come on. And is he like affiliates? Has he got affiliates, or is it like a podcast? Or I I, I, I don't know because uh, matter of fact, how I know that is because a former station that I used to work at KFIZ mm-hmm. is celebrating their one hundredth anniversary. And they brought all the jocks and the DJs from the past. And I was one of those that they interviewed. And believe it or not, Jonathan Bradmeyer was interviewed as well, being a part of the 100-year anniversary of KFIZ. Oh, my. So if you go onto the KFIZ website or the KFIZ uh, social pages on Facebook or wherever, you'll see his segment, his interview. Get out of here. Yeah, and he did that uh, all from uh, Wisconsin. He says that's where he's living now is Minocqua. (laughs) Yeah. And that's it, a beautiful area, by the way. It is, but it's so, it's so weird that you're going to be, and maybe he just got his fill of the big city, yeah. and he just didn't have any desire to do it anymore. Yeah, that is so bizarre. But you know, with what uh, you know, with how the internet works and how we've got everything going on, it's kind of like you don't really need to be in the big city anymore. You no. know, you can be like where we are today mm-hmm. in yeah. this beautiful plush room. Yeah. All right, now that he threw that softball out there, we are at the Hilton Gardens Inn in Columbia, Missouri. And when we said, hey, do you have an extra room that we can sort of sit? She goes, yeah, we have an extra room to the tune of $400. Well, could we sit over here where they're not doing breakfast? You know, because here it is, you know, two in the afternoon. Well, we're sort of setting up for dinner. Okay, well, we have this business center, which is like a closet. And we're going, yeah, that'd be perfect. But she originally she goes, well, that's only for guests. So like, <laughs> like it's kind of like, okay, did they just 
think they we just came off the streets that we just want to use their facilities to do this podcast? <laughs> we what? Sort, we sort of look that way, don't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, God. Until, then, until we says, well, hey, we're staying here. Oh, well, by all oh, means. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now it's different. Now it's all different. Okay, so when you were at, uh, well, which, which radio station came next after Fond du Lac? Um, after Fond du Lac, it wasn't too much after that. I mean, I went up to the um, up into the Nina Menasha Appleton area okay. in Wisconsin, and I worked at a station called US ninety six. Okay, and I was basically a utility guy. If the morning guy wasn't there, I would do the morning show. If the afternoon guy wasn't there, I do the afternoons or the midday person. I do middays, and so and basically I was just a floater. And then the company that owned US ninety six was starting to um, develop a brand new station in Fond du Lac called WFDL. And so they asked if I'd be interested in being the operations manager and do the morning program from where I was at the time. And that's the same or different than Sunny 97? Same thing. Same thing. WFDL, so Sunny 97. Okay, okay. Yeah. good. And so uh, we put that all together. And the thing that was really cool about that is, I mean, this is the first time I ever put a, you know, put a radio station together from nothing to what they are today, you know, and that was a, that's a lot of work. So did they, did they have the people or did you have to recruit the people? I too? had to recruit the people as well. Whoa. Yeah. They already had their sales team in place, but then we had just had to assemble the on-air staff. Wow. And that's where you came in because you would do liners for us on the overnights. I'd get the, you to do the liners. I don't know if you remember that or not. You're kidding me. No. I seriously, I don't, I don't remember. You this. would, I, I'd give you a bunch of liners, and then what I do is I'd implement them into the computer system, and then those liners were on there forever. And you, it was your voice that was. They always thought, you know, Tim Larson, Tim Larson, Tim Larson. What year would this have been? Might have been ninety three. So it was after I was at Skyward Promotions. Yes. How did I do that? How did I get those to you? How did I record them? That's a good them? question. I'm not sure. <laughs> Because I sent them to you on a reel or something. Yeah, you sent back them, then. Back then, or was it on a cassette? Might, <laughs> a cassette. Um, yeah, that, that's I'm even sh- that's even more embarrassing. Yeah, I tried to upgrade things by yeah. saying reel to reel, and you go, no, no it might have been a cassette. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was it was a reel to reel, as I recall. Wow. Yeah, and that was all automation, as far as. Um, but at that time, the automation we, we all had well, like probably ten or twelve songs on a disc. It was a small disc. It looked like a CD. Okay. And that was put into like we had three different machines filled up with all the different you know hits of one and different hits on the other and and then of course the current hits. Wow. Yeah, and it was all computerized back then, so we didn't have to spin records anymore. Yeah, way 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 above its time when you think about it. Yeah, but yeah. now you look at what's going on today, you know, with all the different files, you know. With, yeah. You know, the MP3 files, which everything is probably on now. Well, and you know the difference is now compared to the automation back then. After a certain period of time, somebody had to go in and swap all the reels and swap all the cassettes and yeah. swap all the carts or whatever needed to be done. Here, there's no swapping anymore. Nope, it's all done for you. With it the just computer. it loops and goes from there. Yeah. Did I mean you know that I'm part of a radio station in Phoenix, Arizona, Sky Seven? Yes. And the the oddity of what you just brought up of you recorded these liners, you fed them into the automation through the reel to reel. I do middays on Sky 7 in Phoenix from Northern Illinois by basically uploading it to the computer. And then the computer says, well, I need to put it in between these two songs. And then I need to put this other one in between these two songs. I love technology. It's just crazy, you know? It's also crazy. Do you also uh, take advantage of like iHeartRadio or some of the streaming where it's a person that you have 
worked with very, very long time ago. They're still in the industry. You know where they are and what station, and you can pull them up and listen to them anytime you yes. want to. You yeah. have those kind of people. There's a few people, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And where are they located? It all depends on who you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I uh, mean, are they the extremes like California and New York, and they're all scattered all over the place? No, basically they're all local now, for me anyway, you know, because oh. like I, for folks that I used to work with at KFIC, a couple of them are still there. Oh, I see. And gotcha. so I, uh, you know, I'll listen to them, but I always listen to them on the internet, you know, I'm rather yeah. on my computer because, or my iPhone or, um, or my iPad or whatever. You yeah. Know? You know, now, I, see, I don't listen to the radio anymore. Now, see, that's interesting because... You moved away, and you go back to listen to them yes. with the technology. Yeah. Where I'm talking about, these people moved away. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. and we use the same technology to hear people in San Diego or Richmond, Virginia, or wherever. Yeah, That's so cool. Yeah. All right, so what happened after Sunny 97? Um, then after that, I started to... Um, then I went back to KFIZ for a couple of years, okay. and then I just completely got out of radio. And then... Um, Ended up working for the airline. Wow. So where did WFRL and WXXQ and Freeport That was my in? very first radio jobs. And that was in 1979. I think May of 1979 is when I was able to, where I was hired on as the midday person. Do you remember who hired you? Yeah, it was uh, Randy, or no, not Randy, Neil Nussbaum. I remember Neil, little yeah. bitty guy with great big glasses. Yeah, and I remember that his family was in the chicken business. And, and they, <laughs> <laughs> they, they provided chickens to KFC. Did they really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember Neil's past. How did they have he a was, radio station? At that time, he was like, because I recall, he was like only a couple of years older than we were. Oh, he was young. Yeah, he was like oh, 23 yeah. or 24 years old. I think somebody somewhere said, hey, Neil, can you handle this for us? And he right. goes, uh, okay. Well, his family bought the stations. And then, you know, and then, of course, they sold out later on. But, yeah, so his family's bought the radio stations. And then here, here he is. To run them, he, he was the general manager, you know, over the sales department, the programming department. Chris O'Brien, Chris O'Brien was, was our program, program director at XXQ. Yeah. yeah, and do you remember Don Werns? Yeah, sports guy. Is he still around? He is. Is he still selling? Uh, no, he's not working for the radio station. Okay, but uh, of course, he's all you know, shoulder deep in sports. A friend of mine, Brian Thomas, who's a professional photographer, had a uh, a job to do in Freeport of some sort, photographing something. And I can't remember how the conversation went, but after the day of shooting, he came back and he goes, I think possibly, I think possibly I ran into an old radio guy of yours. And he tells me downwards, I go, yeah, of course, sports guy. I mean, my God, he's a walking encyclopedia of sports. And so I tell him he had no recollection of me. Don had no recollection of me. Well, I told him, I says, you know, tell him that I was with and I named off all these people like Sherry Schroeder and Bud and Scott and Rob Cutter and all these people. And he went back and he goes, yeah, I remember the, the time frame, but I still don't remember Tim. Yeah. <laughs> That's a killer to the ego, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 Jeff, Jeff, who was Jeff? Jeff Jansen. Jeff Jansen. He came on and he did the afternoon show. Yeah. And I can't remember who did the morning show there. I can't Chris. Remember. Chris O'Brien on WFRL? Yes. Okay, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I'm looking through my WFRL and WSXQ stuff, and you and I must have been there during a transition where FRL was playing like Neil Diamond and Ann Murray, and then all of a sudden we went or we came from country. Yeah. And I don't know which, but there was a transition part there, and we were only there a very small amount of time. Yeah. 
But boy, did we have an open gate to all these country stars. Yes. Because we were the people the, in the area. The I mean, people attuned to, yeah. Because yeah. there wasn't any, I think, WMAQ. Yes. That was the big country station in Chicago. Yep. It's 60, amazing how this stuff is yeah, coming back. 67 WMAQ. Yeah. WMAQ is going to make me rich. Yeah. That was their slogan. And in that their was the country station. Oh. If you lived in that area, that's what everybody would listen to. Gigantic. Yeah. That was... Nancy Turner and Lee Sherwood and Charlie O'Neill and on and on. They were, they were not only NBC, but they were in the merchandise mart okay. and just gigantic. Well, Rockford had WKKN. Do you remember WKKN? I remember it vaguely. Yeah, most people do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just vaguely. They were good for what they were doing, but they just didn't have the power. Right. So they didn't reach out. And so when people came into, um, uh, what was it, the, the uh, auditorium that was, I think, named after the Shriners in Freeport. I can't remember, not Tabala, but I can't remember the name of it. But they would all pile into either a state fair or that theater. And honestly, if you remember, all we had to do was either show up or call on the phone. And they're going, yeah, come on down. Mm. The wide open door. I mean, country's sort of like that anyway. But here we are sharing pictures today and it was who don williams david sugar louise mandrell louise mandrell barbara mandrell don williams um helen cornelius yes and, uh, jim ed brown yes johnny duncan yeah i mean just on and on and on and they were just the nicest people we spent an awful lot of time with them mm -hmm. and they just didn't care they go hey hang out we're not doing any, any other thing before we go on stage, and we're going, sure. And then I remember, too, hanging out uh, with Johnny Cash and June Carter. What? If that was in Casper, if that was in Freeport, and I can't remember anymore. Well, if it was in Freeport, it wasn't with me, because <laughs> I would have remembered that. Yeah. Wow. Did, oh, so you had some heavy hitters come into Casper, Wyoming, too. Yeah, when I worked Casper, yeah, wow. Casper Radio. So this is back in my college years. I was sort of in the like freshman, sophomore year of my college years working in Freeport. And then when you moved on, did you go directly to KVOC in Casper? No, remember um, I left WFRL and I went to WACI. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did that for about nine, maybe six to nine months. Okay. And I remember the, uh, the, uh, the, the owner of the station fired me because I, I was doing the early morning show uh, from 5, 5 a.m. to uh, 10 a.m. Oh, long and, shift. Yeah, and I, I would put the station on too many days in a row where it was coming on late. <laughs> and he knew it? <laughs> yeah, Somehow? he knew it. Yeah, well, he must have been listening. And so then uh, my time there was cut short, and then <laughs> then it was uh, right after that I was able to get this job uh, doing mornings at KVOC in Casper. And then I buckled down. So did you just look up in R&R what some opportunities yeah, were absolutely. you sent out tapes I sent out tapes to a K, um, KVOC I had tapes sent, sending out uh, that I sent out to um, California um, what was that station or the place where uh, Carmel California I had a job offer from there oh my and then I had a, a, a then the job offer came from Casper and then I was thinking okay Carmel or Casper and both salaries are about the same and I go it's expensive in California, so I'm going to Casper. Wow. Yeah. And how long were you in Casper? Almost two years. And then, okay. I, then I went up to Billings, Montana. Because I was going to say, there, there must have been enough time because I decided to come out and visit you. I think it was my junior year in college. So I took Amtrak to Denver and stayed with some friends. And then a nine-hour bus trip to Casper, Wyoming. 
What a butt buster. <laughs> well, once I got up there, I mean, it was so nice. I think you had maybe six inches of snow, and we had our shirts off. It was very yeah. bizarre. Yeah, you'd have the snow in the morning, and then in the afternoon, it'd be 65, 70 degrees. Yeah. yeah. And we still have pictures of me visiting KVOC. We still have pictures of everybody that you mentioned, yep. of the country stars. I don't think a whole lot of people can say that. Or mm. if they do have them, they don't know how to find them. Right. And so I'm really, really grateful you know, that you've got them. Yeah, and with the pictures, too. You know, back in the day, we didn't have our cell phones. We didn't have, you know, the phone was attached to us 24 hours a day. Right. You know, like we were talking earlier, it was with the Kodak camera, with the cube flash, you know, the flash, <laughs> the cube flashes, and that was it. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, that's all we had, you know, for these pictures, you know. And uh, so I had a, I had some good opportunities when I was in Casper, you know, the people that I worked with there. Yeah. Do you still keep in contact with the uh, Casper people? Just on, just on Facebook. Okay. You know, one of the guys that I worked with, my program director, he's like, I think he just turned 80 now. You know, and back in the wow. time when he hired me, he was like, you know, in his early, early to mid forties. Yeah, you know, just kind of like, man, oh man, the time flies. <laughs> Once you do the math, it's a little scary, isn't it? Yeah, it's well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out the math with my age. <laughs> Where did you go from KVOC and Casper? Billings, Montana. I don't, I don't remember the call letters. K G H L. I would have never guessed that. Seven ninety K G H L. And at that time, we were like the truckers' radio station. Oh, we even we were right right on the highway I ninety, and this is back in the I mean they've moved the studios since then, but uh, we used to have a, a horn on top of the building, so when the semis would go by they go, <laughs> and we'd have the same thing, so we'd give them a beep back, and we had the string there it was right there, and we could you know we could toot our horns as they were going by as well. You had the string in the studio. Yeah, you just grab it. And go, <laughs> Come on. No, serious. That is a great story. And the, and the station, you know, and it was at nighttime, we were heard almost in the, the entire, you know, like 13 states we were heard in at nighttime. Wow. Um, so it, it was a 100,000-watt radio station. Either way, it was a blowtorch. Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. And we were everywhere. We I mean, Canada. I mean, I mean, we'd get listeners in Nebraska and Missouri and, I mean, everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anytime we vacation in Montana... If you need to go to the bathroom or get a drink of water, it's a 50-mile drive. Or just pull over to the side. I know. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but see, when you don't live there, yeah, you, don't, yeah. you, don't, you, know, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you got bear you and you got all kinds yeah. of things going on there. Yeah. So where did you go from Billings, Montana then? Billings, Montana. Well, I worked at about uh, four different radio stations in Billings. Uh, what? Yeah, I went to, you know, I was at KGHL and then... Uh, their sister station was KIDX Magic 98, and I worked there for probably a good year or so. Okay. And then I went to a radio station called KOOK, which was another huge AM station in Billings, and that was uh, Top 40. Okay. And then they started a brand new FM station called KBIT, which was a country station, and I ended up working there for about a year or so. So between Billings, it was basically two ownerships, right? Yeah. You had two, two yeah. sets of sister stations. Yes. Yep. Was it a high on the street visibility market where yes. you guys were out doing yes. everything? Everything. What, everything. What was one of your favorite promotions well, that the, you loved doing? You up know, there? the of course the bumper stickers or the window sticker promotions. You know, yeah. and then you know, like you would work with gas stations or you'd work with um, you know convenience stores. I remember doing a lot of remotes at car dealerships. Uh -huh. I was always. It seemed like I was always at a car dealership every week. Well, and, they had the money too. Yeah, that's a thing. Right. Yeah. And so, but that was you know that's and then of course we'd have the giveaways, the money giveaways, 
and uh, I'm talking about KGHL now. Uh, but KGHL was Billboard's media market country radio station of the year for, oh my goodness, probably three, four, five years in a row. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, it was a like I said, it was a blowtorch, or like we used to say, it was a blowtorch. It was a, it was a. I mean, we were a big player. They, they, of course, the record companies would, you know, with the music director, they would expense everything, and they'd fly you out to, sh- have, you know. Uh, country groups that they were showcasing and they'd fly, yeah. they'd fly you out for it. Did you guys get tied in just because of where you were? Did you get tied into, you know, the rodeo events and stuff like yes. that? Yeah. I was in a rodeo when I was living, living in, uh, oh, I forgot to tell you too. I went from <laughs> Montana Billings down to Cody and Powell, Wyoming. And I worked down there for about a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. What was the, what was the call letters there? One was called KLZY. No, it doesn't ring a bell with you and me. Okay, and then the other one was, uh, it was a country station, I want to say, I think it was KPOW. Okay. KPOW. Wow. And um, so, yeah, when I was there working in that market, of course, in rodeo, they're known for, especially in the summer months, they have their rodeos every Mm -hmm. night there in the summer months. Every night? Seriously? Yeah, because it's, you know, Yellowstone, people are at Yellowstone, and then the, you know, Cody's, you know, they got the Buffalo Bill um, historical museum there. Okay, they got right. of, it's a pretty area. Okay, and uh, that's where I got my pilot's license too, by the way. But anyway, but anyway that's, which we will that's, get into. That's that. another subject. <laughs> but anyway, um, so then uh, we're yeah, as a radio station, you were always at this rodeo too, doing events. So I mean, I, we and of course, you know, if you're a, a personality there on the radio stations, you'd have to work, you know, with the uh, the bull riders, or if you wanted to. Um, grease a pig and put it in a barrel or doing some calf rope and you'd have to do that as well so wow yeah there is it was a lot of fun and i remember one time we were um, we had to get put a pig in a barrel it, it was my, we were just covered with mud from head to toe and in order for them to clean us off they had the fire department there and they fired up their hoses to spray us all off and i thought i was going to drown because it was kind of like a <laughs> you know and i i go oh i never want to go through that again <laughs> and there was so, more than one of you Yes. The whole staff yeah, was doing this thing? the whole thing? staff was doing it. You know, whether it was the morning guy, the afternoon guy, middays, whatever. Oh it's kind of, we were all we were all a part of this this event, you know. It's something that the sales department put together. Of course, yeah, because yeah. guess what? They don't have to partake yeah. in it. Yeah, so anyway, that's, uh, yeah, so. Uh, and then we were just at Yellowstone this past summer, and they all went to the rodeo. I go, they go, you know, I come to the rodeo. I go, no, I don't need to go see that again. <laughs> well, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So, well, they all went to the rodeo. I just stayed in. <laughs> just did something else. You know, that was, we didn't think anything of it to a certain degree when somebody, whether the GM or the, a salesperson, you know, a sponsor goes, hey, what do you think about this? Of course, the salesperson's always going to say, well, sure. And then they go back and they have to eat crow and ask us to do it. Yeah. But that was the cool part of being on the air and in people's faces because we got to do a lot of really weird stuff. Yes. And it was consistent. And, you know, that whole thing. Did you ever do the whole thing where you're on a billboard for whatever reason until either somebody won or somebody lost? Not me personally, but it was another one of our on-air guys that, yeah. that did we that. We always had the FM people that were always on. You know, the rock and roll station was on there for one reason or the other. You know, they raised X amount of money for a charity or something like that. But we were always the ones where they say, well, uh, we want you to scuba dive here or we want you to ride this or we want you to be here. And that seems like that was a lot more fun on, on our side. Right. And then, of course, you know, you did have the opportunities, like um, 
flying events, air shows. You were able to, you know, get involved and ride on different airplanes with the air shows. Oh, yeah. You know, and so that's what got my interest as well. I was already a pilot before that, but, you know, I had opportunities to fly with the, um, the Blue Angels, but I missed it because oh. it was a lottery, and they had a they had like four names in this lottery of all the morning shows that were at the time that oh submitted their guys and I wasn't picked for the lottery. So wow. it was a lottery system, how, how you got to. Wow. One, this is a side note, but you remember I was one of the announcers for the Ski Bronx Water Ski Show team mm -hmm. way back in the day. And one of our little kids, I mean, he was just tiny. Him and two other brothers were in the ski team. Uh, he became a pilot for the Blue Angels. And when they came back to Rockford for the air show, I can't remember what year it was, but it was as if he had won the World Series. It was a gigantic sort of a parade-ish thing out at the airport, and he was the star of the week. And, of course, you know, if somebody in the outskirts wanted them to buzz their airport, of course, guess what? They did it because they knew that Drew was part of the deal. And it was, it was so cool. So let's get back to that little thing you said about you being a pilot. I remember you in sort of a lawn chair with a big fan. What are those aircrafts called? <laughs> oh, a powered parachute. A powered parachute? Yeah. Wow. That was after I, you know, I decided not to fly, um, you know, the, you know, the Pipers and the Cessnas anymore and uh, the air coupes because I did have a a 1946 air coupe for a while. Wow. And I mean, it was a lot of fun, but my family, unfortunately, every time I'd bring them up in the air, they'd all get sick. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know if it was my flying or what. <laughs> no, I no, the but, motion sickness yeah, is a tough thing. Yeah. It really so is. it was, uh, so they never enjoyed it. And I thought, well, you know, I kind of like got it for, you know, bringing the kids up or, you know, bringing the wife up. But mm -hmm. uh, if they didn't enjoy it, I go, well, I just don't want to do this anymore. So then I've got uh, one of those little ultralights, those powered parachutes, because in my neighborhood, um, when we um, lived outside of Fond du Lac, uh, there were a lot of folks house, and I'd see these powered airplanes and these powered parachutes going all over the place. I go, where the heck are they? And I'd, yeah. f I'd follow them to where they landed. I asked, and I started asking about it. And then uh, they put me in contact with the dealer of who sells them. And next thing you know, I'm, I got myself a power parachute. So, so was it much of a transition since you already were a pilot? Um, well, you cut you, you know, I mean, of course, you knew the you know, the basics. But here's the interesting thing about the interesting thing about this: the guy that I bought it from, great guy, um, a retired general in the army. Okay. Uh, but he had Parkinson's disease. Okay. So he was um, when he was teaching me how to fly it. You know, it was a it was a tandem seat, and he, he's a little shaky. You know, but I mean, we we're I mean, we did fine. And then what happened is when I bought my machine. And he was teaching me how to fly my machine. He had, you know, had me hooked up, grabbed the, the walkie-talkie, and he thought he strapped it onto my, my shirt or my jacket I was wearing at the time. And so when I took off, next thing you know, I look, there's the walkie-talkie, and I'm already going up in the air. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, there's, I, so there's none of this, hey, Rob, how you doing? Yeah, because he was going to, you know, teach me, instruct me as I was up there and what to do and how to get down. Oh, and, and so I'm up there, I'm going, okay, now what am I going to do? You know, and I figure, okay, this can't really be all that hard just to the fact, you know, that's a powered parachute and you got the fan behind you and whatever. And I go, okay, decrease power, you're coming down. Increase power, you're going up. So, you know, I got my runway all picked out where I was going to land and, and I just uh, decreased power squeaked it onto the uh, turf and baba bing baba boom 
walked away from it. And he goes, that was interesting. <laughs> As he stood there with his walkie-talkie. Yeah. So, but I think uh, somebody else would have probably freaked if they didn't have, you know, um, if they weren't a pilot or if they didn't have experience. Oh, flying. absolutely. Yeah. Now, are you an Oshkosh guy? Yeah, I was, but now living down in Missouri, yeah. uh, I don't get up there as often as I One would of the nicest to. two days I spent a couple of years ago before the pandemic hit, 72 degrees. I went by myself. You just grab your sort of chair in a bag and off you go. Yep. You run into the nicest people. They had pretty good sized country acts and you're on the tarmac with a B-52. Everybody is looking for shade under wings, you know, when you've got your drink and your lunch and your whatever. Yep. And you meet people from Australia and New England everywhere. and everywhere. This is just a giant, giant event. I really want to go back. Of course, you know, you had the pandemic that pulled the rug out from everybody. Mm -hmm. But the one of the things that I loved about this, and I don't know if you're aware of it, they build a plane during the event. Yeah. And if you want to be part of that, you can go put one rivet in the wing and then move on. And, of course, your name is on the list of having helped build that plane. Later on, we knew a guy that married a friend of ours' daughter that uh, worked for the EAA. And so he ends up flying those one-of-a-kind made planes that they have up there in Oshkosh. He'll fly them down for a fly-in breakfast charity type thing at Poplar Grove or wherever. And they just they made, they make use of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I thought they sold them. Mm -hmm. But I guess they still hang on to some of them down there. Yeah. And it's just, it's so well put together. Paul Harvey was always, he was always up there in Oshkosh. Didn't know that. Bob Collins. Well, Bob Collins, was yeah. huge. He was, I think he was on their board at one time, you know, wow. for the Experimental Aircraft Association. Yeah. And for people that don't know Bob Collins, Bob was on WGN for many years as an afternoon and then a, a morning personality. I can't remember the year. But, um, you know, when he signed off on the air, he says, you know, we'll see you tomorrow morning. This is a great day to fly. Yep. And he took off and something went wrong. It was a mid-air mid collision. Was it a mid-air? Yeah. I didn't know that. Didn't he end up on top of a hospital or something? Uh, yeah, rooftop of some building, yeah. 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 And so we lost Bob Collins that day. Yep. And, of course, they still have a whiskey toast. Yep. Every year, you know, on the on the day that he died. So Bob is not forgotten yeah. at, at WGN, that's for sure. Yeah, he was always fun to listen to. Wow. Hey, tell me um, some of the, um, do you remember the parties we used to have? Vaguely. Does anything come I don't to have, Vaguely? I don't really remember any, <laughs> any, seriously. It's kind of funny how, you know, how, you know, because I, I moved around so often, you know, and I've, you know, I've got different uh connections with all these different people and sometimes you have to remind me yeah and i go i still don't remember it because i still have people coming up to me from high school remember when you did that remember when you did i go no i have no recollection really yeah well here's the one that i remember that is directly connected to you well am i gonna get in trouble with my wife no not at all <laughs> i'm gonna get in trouble with my wife our wives are sitting just a, a stone's throw away from us here in this in this uh, makeshift studio but I lived where my mom still lives on the west side of Rockford by the TV stations. Well, WFRL was downtown at the top of the State Bank Center in Freeport. Yes. Which, generally speaking, is about 20 miles away. All right. So we decided that we were going to have a staff party of some sort. So, you know, as conversations go, I said, well, geez, we've got a lot of property. If people are willing to make the drive out to Rockford, we've got this great big 
pile of wood and limbs and stuff. We'll do a bonfire. We can do this and we could do this. And of course, it escalated into this other stuff. So Don Wernz has the connection because he's a sales guy. He said, I got a keg of beer waiting for you to pick up at X place, whoever it was. And make sure you get the stopper and the whole nine yards. So I'm driving my 1972 Chevy Nova from Freeport, middle of the afternoon, to Rockford. Woo, woo, woo behind me because I did not come to a complete stop at a stop sign, which really pisses me off now because that same intersection is a roundabout. <laughs> yeah. So I had this thing in the trunk, and of course it's bobbling around, which was so stupid because you don't want to shake beer for 20 miles. And I had this stopper in the front floorboard of my car. Oh, goodness. He never noticed where you headed. I says, I'm literally half a mile down the road. He goes, okay. So we went. So you guys all pile in, and of course, you know, everybody's bringing food, and we're firing up the grill in the whole nine yards. And we started the bonfire. Now, you remember Jeff Jansen? Yes. Okay. Jeff went on from WFRL and WXXQ to work part-time at WZOK. I don't know if you remember that. Vaguely. Yes. So here's Jeff, and he's just jumping right in with uh, helping with the fire. So he took these limbs that were probably easily an inch and a half diameter. I would hold them against my knee and pull and break them. Roger. He slammed them against his shin over and over and over again. Now, this is a guy that I had just recently met, and I'm going, he's a badass. Oh, my God. <laughs> you didn't realize what happened. Okay. I didn't realize what happened. Jeff had a wooden leg because of a motorcycle accident. So it was nothing for him to rack these limbs against because he couldn't feel anything. No. Well, yeah, obvious. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sitting there with my mouth hanging open. I had a couple of beers and I'm going, I am not making sense of any of this until later on. They go, oh, well, geez, that would have been nice to know, yep. you know, with Jeff. But... Yeah. Meanwhile, your, 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 your chin is all bloodied up and all bruised. Yeah. From you trying to. Yeah, I'm going to try it. It's just not going to work. Not gonna work, but we had a great time. Yeah, I, I remember we well, we had pictures of that. Yeah, I would really like to know, you know, what happened to Judy and what happened to Chris O'Brien and those people yeah. and Jeff and Jeff. Yeah. yeah, but there's certain radio stations that either it's your time in the life or it's the people or the events or right. something to where they gel and that small group of people. Maybe you were only there a year, but that small group of people have just contacted and kept in contact forever. Right. And then others just fade yeah. away. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, there's times that you and I, for example, I mean, we'd probably go a few years without t reaching out to one another. But mm -hmm. now since the technology, you know, we've been reaching out probably since, oh my gosh, I don't know, probably the last 10 years, 15 years. Easily. Yeah, at yeah. least. You know? yeah. And then periodically it would be a phone call here, phone call there. But yeah. we always stayed in contact yeah. with each other. We always we, knew where we were. I have many people that I have known forever that I keep in touch with. Do you have people like that too that no. you can just pick up? Just you. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I had such a, um, an interesting career because, you know, I left radio and then I've got more people that I hang out with and then I, you know, pilots, airline oh, pilots. Sure. 
yeah. and with uh, flight attendants yeah. and that type of thing. I have more um, association with them than I did with the folks that I worked with in the radio. How many years were you in radio collectively? Uh, collectively, 26 years maybe. Wow. Yeah. So tell me about Ryan International Airlines. Well, first of all, I worked at Midwest Airlines, okay. which was a Milwaukee-based airline. Mm-hmm. They started back in 1984. Kimberly Clark up in Nina Menasha started them. Okay. And then they came then they came back down to Milwaukee. Okay. And then um, they opened up this uh, couple of routes. Like Boston was one, Kansas City was one, and I think Denver might have been another one. But then they just continued to grow. They'd buy one airplane, next thing you know, two. And then by the time they you know, were a full fledged airline, they had like forty different airlines, you know, forty different airplanes. Oh, and okay. so then they had a higher pilots and uh, flight attendants and that that type of thing and um, I didn't work as a pilot I just thought you know I don't want to relearn I don't want to do commercial um, mm-hmm. aviation I just want to just be a part of the aviation experience so I became a flight attendant for 10 years nice yeah and you really have to know everything about possibly what could go wrong or right when yeah. you're a flight attendant because it was always yeah it was six weeks of it. yeah it was six weeks of training you know, I mean, you got to, you know, you're trained on, you know, CPR, using the defibrillators, um, all the different scenarios that could happen. If you're mm-hmm. going to have an emergency landing, you got to prep the, well, you know what the uh, the safety cards are. But, sure. you know, but you got to basically have that all memorized and you had to teach people and teach them what to do if there was an emergency. And, you know. So how was that drastically different from your average Joe being your passenger to Ryan and having military folks? Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that was a lot, the military guys were a lot of fun to work with as far as, um, you know, as far as the, the demeanor of them, <laughs> and, and, you know, you didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of snooty people because there'd be a lot of snooty people you'd work on oh. the airlines, you know, but the military, they were so humbled and it was, but I was able to experience with the, uh, working with Ryan International, I was able to experience of going all over the world. I mean, I was in Cuba, I was in Kuwait a number of times. Uh, Romania, um, Iraq, um, wow. uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, and a lot of these big, a lot of these places that you heard of on the TV when the war was going on. Mm-hmm. These are the places I was at. And were you basically transporting the military? You would literally drop them and grab another group, or come back empty. Yeah, we or we'd go. Uh, basically, we'd end up in Germany. Okay. Uh, Leipzig, Germany, was one of our holdovers so we'd always have a lot of a lot of overnights and three four night stays in leipzig and then from there we'd usually take off we'd either go to romania or we'd go to italy or we'd go to saudi arabia or diego garcia which is another military base Um, and were you were you servicing all the branches yeah all the branches and even some foreign military i remember romania their military, um, there's the Polish military. I remember hauling them around. Um, Come on. I, yeah, the Irish. Uh, I remember that we flew all these different militaries that and, were, of course, you know, allies with the United States. And because of it being military and government, did you know ahead of time where you were going or like no. one day? Well, we, yeah, one day. And I never could let her know until we got there. I go, go, oh, by the way, guess where I'm at? Well, that's a little creepy. Yeah. And then there'd be times where I'd say, uh, we'd be over there, and we, they were 18-day trips. So I'd leave, and I'd be gone for 18 days. And I remember one day I called her up and says, yeah, they extended my trip for another 10 days. So it was 28 days I was gone working for uh, this 
Ryan International Airlines. Wow. Yeah. And when you had layovers, you could just do whatever you needed to do wherever yeah, you were yeah, at. Yeah, you're free to do whatever you wanted to do. So I would every once in a while, I would, uh, you know, I kind of look back on this, you know, because I'd be in Kuwait City or I'd be in somewhere in uh, like Bahrain, Saudi Arabia or something like that. And then I'd, I'd, I'd just walk around and i go, I'm not sure this is a good thing for an American white guy walking around the streets of, uh, you know, right. you know, I, especially the, Kuwait City. You know, I yeah. Went, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure if I should be doing this or not. But, you know, I went there and I went to the, like a KFC or a Burger King because they do have yeah. they, they do have them there. Something familiar. Something familiar or ch- it, Chili's. But, but didn't it dawn on you at one time where you go, you know what? The last time Lisa heard from me was three days ago. <laughs> and you're going, oh, this is not good. Cause but she, that was a thing, too. We had to coordinate our times because a lot of times I'd be it'd be a 12, 14 hour difference. I go, okay, what time is it there? So we'd always have to oh you know, realize what time it was back in the States. And you did that for how long? I, I did that only for a year. I, and see, in my head, I would have guessed four or five years. Well, with Ryan, but with Midwest, I was with Midwest for eight. Oh, eight maybe that's the confusion yeah. then. Or maybe it just seemed like four or five years. Yeah, because then Mid- Midwest, <laughs> the they, you know, they um, frontier bought them out. Oh, and okay. then Frontier decided to carry the brand of the Frontier brand, and then they, they just basically I think all they did is just buy the branding from wow. Midwest. Yeah. What have you been doing recently that occupies your time? Because that is a story in itself, and well, I, I'm I'm really thankful that you made me a part of it. Either yeah. you would hop on the horn, you go, "Hey, can I bounce something off of you?" Yeah. You know, because you know, sort of when you're a one man band. You don't have that person, that other vice president down the yeah, hall that you can right. go, you know, bounce something off of. You have to rely on your buddies. Right. Well, what happened was, is, um, you know, I was uh, I was ill for a few years and then I felt like I wanted to do something, get back into radio. So I decided I go, you know, what would be a fun thing to do is share stories of miraculous events. I started a website called legendsoffaith.org. And then I started working on stories like some of the miraculous events that happened during the startup of our country with George Washington. And I was kind of basing him off from Paul Harvey and the rest of the story. I tried to not give up too much information for the first couple of minutes and then more toward the end, you know, the last 25, 30 seconds when I'd give out the name. And you do a really good job at that. I think the one, the first one that I played, which was your litmus test for me, yes. you know, the first one you hear when we went back on at WLUV, we could pretty much do whatever we wanted to. Right. So when you told me about this, I go, send me the files. I will play these things. Yeah. And the first one was Jackie Robinson. Yep. And so you tease and you tease and you tease, just like Paul did. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the listener thinks, oh, I got this. Yeah. And then you go, no. It turns a, a left turn instead of a right turn. And then you go, really? It's Jackie Robinson? And you've done that with people that have started Chick-fil-A and you've yep. done that with the Hershey people and it didn't matter that they were quote unquote famous or not, right. but they were somebody that at the end you knew who you were talking about. Right. And they're all based though on, you know, you know, their faith that got them through it. Yes. And, um, and these are backstories that you never really hear of, you know, the only, you always hear of the secular end of it. It's kind of nice for those folks that have, that are faith and spiritual when they hear that. Oh, I never knew that. No. Or, you know, and so they're fun to listen to. And that's what Sandy was more curious about. Since you don't hear it, since it's deeper and underlying and more personal with this story, how do you get that information? And that must just 
Well, first of all, Man. I start with Wikipedia with a tongue-in-cheek. Uh, it's kind of like, okay, well, this is not very informative or this is not very helpful. You know, I start doing Google searches on, you know, the faith of the guy from Hershey's, um, the faith of Milton Hershey. And then all some information comes up, you know, like CBN may have in interviewed him already or some of these other talk shows. And then I start um, reading up on him or reading stories on him from, you know, various different uh, publications. Uh, on the, the internet so nice because years ago you probably wouldn't be able to do this. No, no. But so then I just start doing my own research and then I just start formulating my own ideas and put my own. Sometimes I'll put a little extra in there yeah. where, you know, I go, okay, well, I'm sure this is how we thought. So I'll kind of like <laughs> embellish a little bit, you know. You, um, add, you add Rob Cutter Hollywood uh, yeah, into it? <laughs> right. I'll put a little, a, a little, you know, a little spice into there um, to make it a little bit more interesting for people. I've got one that I'm working on right now, which is going to be released on Monday. The last one I did was on Patton. Nice. He needed a prayer because the weather was crappy, and mm -hmm. he needed. He talked to the army chaplain. He goes, "Chaplain, wrap me up a prayer. We need to get this weather out of here because they couldn't do anything advancing to Germany until the weather cleared." And he said, so, "Yes, sir," and walks away and writes him a prayer. Yeah, a few minutes later, he writes him a prayer, hands him the <laughs> you know hands him the slip of paper. Here's your prayer, sir. So good. Make me two hundred fifty thousand copies. What? Yes. Yeah. So he, he passed them out to everybody yeah. in the armed forces. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, two hundred fifty thousand went out to all the soldiers, and then on the back side it was a Christmas message because it was just before Christmas, and then the you know wow. a couple of days later the weather cleared, and then of course the Americans and the Allies were able to march into Germany. Yeah, but how smart of him to literally kill three birds with one stone. One, it was Christmas. Yep. Two, it was a morale booster. Everybody's yes. on the same page. Yeah. And then three, hey, let's uh, kick in all together and see if we can get this done. And, and then he happened. commanded everybody to say the prayer, of course, you know. <laughs> and, of course, you know, the more they pray, the more things happen, the more miraculous things happened. And baba bing, baba boom, wow. the weather cleared, and they were able to, uh, you know, march to victory. Wow. You know, the nice thing about what you're doing, too, and, and again, it's a lot of work. I, I can only imagine doing just one episode of what you do. You don't just read it. You've got all the sound effects, whether it be war or whether it be birds chirping. It doesn't matter what the sound effect is. It draws you in more than even a Paul Harvey rest of the story. Right. Because you need to be a wordsmith on top of it. I'm standing beside that guy when I hear all the sound effects. Right. So compliments to you for going to the extra work on that. That's a joy for me because I have always, you know, I mean, it's part of my radio, you know, theater of the mind. Mm -hmm. You know, people are listening, to, even though you can see the video, you know, the, the, the visuals on YouTube. Yeah. But the theater of the mind and the, the audio is the most important part because most people that listen to a podcast are listening on their way to work. Right. Or they got a few minutes at, uh, you know, on a break or whatever, listening on their iPhones. And sometimes an iPhone won't catch all the different sound effects that I have into each uh, story. Really? Uh, you can really get the um, the benefit of it. Plug it in, put some headsets on, and wow. then you're going to go, wow, that's weird. You know, because yeah. sometimes the, the door sound effect of a door slamming might come on the right side of your ear, and then you'll hear the walking coming in from another direction or something. And it's kind of like, Okay, what's going on here? <laughs> I didn't hear that before. Yeah, so wow. you can only pick that up if you're listening to it on a headset. So Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, even like on an iPad or an iPhone, you're, you're going to be fine. You, you still hear some of the effects, but there's a little bit more into it than, you know. So now that you're 60 episodes in with Legends of Faith, where does it go from here? Do you ever feel like you're running out of content? No, 
Oh, you know, there's so much content out there. There's good for you. gobs of content. But now we're going to be adding another segment. Um, and I, we hope that people can uh, visit uh, legendsoffaith.org. We're going to be starting uh, building a studio down in the basement because right now I'm, I call it the dungeon, which basically it does look like a dungeon in our basement. Uh, and most studios that started out to be studios are now dungeons. Yes, most definitely. <laughs> but uh, we're going to be building that out. And then uh, we're going to be adding another segment called Beyond the Journey. And it's going to be live, uh, live content. Well, not live. It'll be, re- of course, recorded. Uh, we're going to be talking about miraculous things that happen to people, everyday people, everyday Joes. You know. So it's an interview deal. It's going to be an interview deal. It's going to be, you know, of course, audio, and then uh, we're going to be setting up cameras, and it's going to be on camera. And then if it's remote, you know, interviews, it's going to be uh, there's platforms out there like Zoom that uh, you set up, and you can do your interviews that way as well. Is it also faith based? Yes, it is. Yeah. We were just extras in a movie okay. that is called Trial by Faith. And director Matt Cicella is from the Rockford area. It was all shot in the Rockford area. But I think they're going to give the impression that it was taking place in Georgia or something like that. Okay. And so have you ever been an extra in a movie? No, but I auditioned for one where I had to walk on and go, okay, thank you. <laughs> and you keep walking off the stage. It was for a Kenny Rogers movie. Come on. Yeah, he was, he was in... Uh, Say he was up in Billings. They were doing a, uh, a western up in Montana, on the outskirts. Is that the is that the one with Reba McIntyre that was in it? Remember that? Yeah, it may have been. It may have been that one. But wow. anyway, they were they were looking for extras, and you know I was doing right at the time. I go, okay, I, you know, I think I might have this. No. Okay, thank you. Next. <laughs> Ouch! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a blow to your ego. Yeah. Go put that pig back in that barrel. <laughs> that's what you're good yeah, at. That's right. <laughs> but when we were in this extra thing. It's faith-based, you know, and it's got these different stories going on. Well, of course, they film it in different orders, so you have no idea what's going to follow you or what's going to be ahead of you. So we're in this church, and of course, it's a long day, you know, it's a hurry up and wait thing. And so we're part of this congregation, and we go through the things, and at the very end, they say, all right, we've got these 10 expressions that we need you guys as a group. There was maybe eight or nine of us in this framed-up shot to do and later on they'll pick which one they want so it's all right act surprised act like you don't believe what the pastor just said and then act like you're sort of you know really concerned (laughs) and on and on and there was maybe 10 or 15 different expressions to this day we don't know which of those expressions they're going to use and the very next night we were in a bar, which was literally across the street in Pecatonica, Illinois, between yep. Rockford and Freeport. Yep. And they purposely set us along this bar and did not tell us what the scene was going to be because they wanted our raw reactions. And this guy, he's down and out. You know, he's got troubles. Everybody's trying to help him and he's resistant and he keeps drinking and, you know, that whole thing. Yep. You know, they're trying to help him get home, but he doesn't want to leave. And one more, you know, and then all of a sudden a bar fight breaks out. (laughs) Right. Literally five feet from me. Well, of course, that's the reaction they wanted because we didn't know a bar fight was going to break out. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully you're not on the cutting floor. No, I know. God, (laughs) wouldn't that be painful? That would be so bad. Talking about a blow to ego. It would be. It would be like 12 hour days, no pay, and then nothing. I'm a pile right there. (laughs) You know, in the Storyteller Studio back in Rockford, which is our retail space at Edgebrook, we literally have a small table of WROK and WZOK alumni. 
You know, it's pictures of them, what they look like now or what they're doing now. And the joke is, if you don't see yourself on the table, you're on the cutting room floor. <laughs> and I took an old reel and cut it up. And so there's this tape on the floor. It's like, yeah, you're in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, have fun. Find a, have fun trying to find a reel to reel. Oh, it's sort of painful, isn't yeah. it? Well, Rob, thank you so much for sitting down and doing Tim, this. Tim, it was a pleasure. It was a oh, lot of fun. Memories like nobody's business. And we got more, too. You know, there's we, part two to this. Something we, down the line. Somewhere, somewhere <laughs> down the line. And keep in mind, we're going to scan in these photos from 1979 and 1980. And we will put them on lifes3x5s.com on the Storytellers tab. So when we talk about Jim Ed Brown and Helen Cornelius or Louise Mandrell, you'll be able to see the pictures that we're talking about. Rob, thank you so much. And uh, I, it's time for us to go like out to dinner and just sort of paint the town red. You're, you're right about that. I'm not about painting it red, but uh, <laughs> paint it something. <laughs> paint it something. Take care, man. All right, take care. Thank you for joining us in the Storytellers studio with Tim Larson and Liz Wilder, where everything begins with the story.